Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming into Rangers Review episode 61. Now, in case you guys aren't aware, our last episode wasn't an official one because we just did a breaking news live stream late here on the YouTube channel. If you guys are listening on YouTube, especially on the Alexander Georgiev trade news. So today, like we discussed in our last one, we will come back this week, recap the draft for the Rangers. So that is exactly what Steven and I will be deep diving for you all what we liked, what we maybe didn't like for the Rangers in this year's draft, in which they did not have a first-round draft pick that they surrendered and that Andrew Kopp trade earlier in the year. Then we'll be looking ahead at the, what the Rangers have already started, which is their development camp, prospect camp, whatever you want to call it right now, and how the young kids are looking. And then the bulk of discussion that will take up the really a good amount of time, I would say, today is right with the NHL for agency beginning tomorrow around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now is a perfect time to be breaking down all the latest news and rumors for the Rangers on their front. Will they make a big splash this offseason? Will we expect something or will we expect the unexpected? All he knows is that we have a lot to discuss. Steven loves trade rumors, free agent rumors. If you couldn't pick up on the sarcasm yet, I don't know what to tell you. But a lot of deep dive. This is going to be a fun discussion, no less. And I'm really excited to break down what Steven's thoughts are on these prospects. So, Steven, how are you doing today, buddy? Good, good. Um, I've uh, recovered a little bit from the draft. It's uh, it's been a couple of days, you know. Um, I had to, I like on uh, on Friday morning, I had to recover from day one first, because man, that first round was uh, was quite something. I it's funny, Stephen, because when we recorded our last episode, you asked me, you know. Is Shane Wright going to go number one? I'm like, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I think this is just media BS. And this man falls multiple slots to the Seattle Kraken. I was, I was giving the death stare to Montreal just as much as Shane was. It really, it would felt bizarre that that transpired. But not even that. The trades, the endless trades. Right before after our recording, Alex DeBrinket, you called it. You thought he was going to go to the centers. He goes to the Sens. What a great move that was for them to get a potential 35, 40 goal score. Still young. You see the Kirby Doc deal heading to Montreal after they trade Alexander Romanov for the draft pick from the Islanders. I mean, there was mm -hmm. a lot that transpired. So uh, in your personal opinion, was this one of the more hectic and entertained first rounds of a draft that we've seen in a couple of years? Because for me, it's definitely up there. It's Let's put it this way. As a Rangers fan, I was happy that this was the year they decided to go old, to go nuts. Because... It's been it's been five or it's been six years since we did not have a first round pick. The last time the Rangers went into the draft without a first round pick was 2016. So to have something actually happen that's interesting in the first round with all these trades happening, with Shane Wright falling to four, um, yeah, it was it was entertaining. Uh, Canadians going with Slavkovsky was not as big of a surprise. Uh, but what surprised me more was um, that then Wright fell to number four. But I spoke to some people and they said, listen, the Devils were always going to go with a defenseman. So it was either Yurichek or Nemec. Mm -hmm. They went with Nemec. And the Arizona Coyotes were always zoned in on Logan Cooley. So 
if Wright did go first overall, you are you're looking at a scenario where probably Slavkovsky went fourth. Because that's that's, that's a good point. Un- unless the Devils had a complete change of heart, knowing that we could get a winner, yeah. we know yeah. that they have the center depth as is. So um, it would have I think it would have been a little bit more interesting yeah. if Wright but, went first. But, but I'm glad that of, I'm glad that things ended the way that they did. Yeah, but think about what this is like for the Seattle Kraken, though. Oh, you know, yeah. oh, they they get that they get their first top prospect for them now to really build and work around him and Beniers. Well, they're the yeah. ones. Too. So this is their second draft in existence. They didn't win the first round pick in either of the drafts, but they still walk away with Matt Beniers and Shane Wright. That's that's that that's pretty remarkable. And you know, I, look, I I have friends who live in Seattle. I've been to Seattle countless times. I've been to hockey games in Seattle. Seattle Thunderbirds, the Everett Silvertips. I like the vibe there. It's it's really hard for me. It was hard for me before to not go, all right, I'm, I'm kind of going to have a weak spot for the Seattle Kraken. But now they get Shane Wright. They already have Matt Beneers. And then in the second round, they go, they go nuts with four picks. They get Jagger Ferkus, who played with Ryder Korzak this past season. David Goyette, who was a player that I would have been interested in if he was still on the board when we were picking. And then Yanni Niemann and Niklas Koko from Finland, and goalie and a forward and a goalie. Um, and you know, it's just it's just such a really such a good draft for Seattle Kraken, and and I love seeing that. But um, yeah, the first round was was nuts. You know, the um, the Toronto Maple Leafs trading out of the first round to get rid of Peter Mrazek. Um, the Blackhawks acquiring two high picks. In a draft where they gave up the, I think the sixth overall pick for Seth Jones a, a year or two ago. The Blackhawks don't even know how to rebuild right. They give away no. Debrinket, who's young, controllable, and one of the better goal scorers. I mean, and how do NHL. you rebuild? Right? How do you rebuild by trading away Debrinket and Doc? That, that's not a rebuild. And let's not forget that they have now allowed Dylan Strom and yeah. uh, also Dominic Kubalik to hit the market. It's yep. like what are you what are you doing? I don't understand. It's like it's like they're trying to get to get rid of Kane and Taves. You know what it all you know what it feels like more than anything? The Blackhawks are doing their jam hardest to absolutely fall so that way they have a top pick next year. And I, I will you, say I, I don't blame them for doing that. How are you gonna rebuild when you have Seth Jones on your on, on the books for an, for another what seven years at nine million? I mean, if you if you literally get rid of the entire rest of the roster, you can handle one bad contract. Yeah, but that's the thing. You, you should never start a rebuild with a bad contract. Oh, I know, but here's the thing. How do, there's no chance in hell they can part with it. So no. that no. that's that that look, that's the repercussions of uh what Scotty Bowman doing doing his best master class. That is in the current front office. They just have to bite the bullet and deal with that. It was an yeah. atrocious deal from the beginning and it'll continue to be just that. Yeah, it's just it's just it look, the Chicago Blackhawks, I don't want to say they're cursed. I think they're just they're just a terrible organization. And I think they should either fold or relocate. Definitely something needs to change there. But do you know the last player that the last first round pick for them that actually worked out? Who? Patrick Kane. That's been a minute. No, the last first-round pick for Chicago that actually worked out is Patrick Kane in 07. 08, they drafted Kyle Beach. Never played a game in the NHL. And we know that story. 09, Dylan Olsen. Do you remember him? 
No. Uh, 2010, Kevin Hayes never signed with them. Went to the yeah. Rangers uh, four years after he was drafted. That, that was that was a great feeling when that first happened. Mark McNeil, two games in the NHL. Uh, Philip Deneau traded for Dale Weiss. I know what what a, what a trade that ended up being. My goodness. Hey, Tebu Teravainen traded to Carolina to get uh, rid of the Bickle contract. <laughs> um, then Ryan Hartman, Nick Schmaltz, Henry Yoki Haru, who they traded for uh, for Alexander Nylander. And let's not forget they trade Nick Schmaltz in the Dylan yeah. Strom deal, who they're now just letting go. Yeah. Uh, Adam Boquist, they traded for, for uh, Seth Jones. Yep. And then Nicholas Baudin in 2018. 22 games, that's it. Kirby Doc that they now shipped off to Montreal. You have to go back 15 years to get to get a first round pick that actually worked out for them. It's good to know that the Rangers aren't the only team that's had oh. some struggles with development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> being an original six club. I mean, no, but I mean they're not bad players. You're talking about Kevin Hayes, Philip Deneau, Tavo Teravinen, Ryan Hartman, Adam Boakvist, Kirby Doc. They're not bad players. They're just not getting the value out of them that they should get out of a first-round pick. Well, if they did get the value, it wasn't until after they parred with them. Or yeah. in the case of Kevin Hayes, no. for instance, him yeah. parring with them. Yeah, but it wasn't a bad pick. They picked a good player oh, 24th yeah. overall. Mm-hmm. You know, he just never worked out with them. Philip Deneau, 26th overall, is a good player. But they traded him away for, for Dil Weiss. Um, look. I, I wish Kevin Korczynski all the best with the Chicago Blackhawks. I like Korczynski. He played for my favorite junior team, the Seattle Thunderbirds. I hope he does well with them. But, man, oh, it's made, they had three first-round picks this year. And they did okay with the first two. The third one I'm not so sure about. I'm not saying he's bad. But, you know, three first-round picks, I guess it's a good way to start a rebuild. But, I mean, history is not on their side when it comes to first-round picks. And I guess we'll see what their new front office has in store. You know, they, then, they have a lot they have a lot more moves to make. And mm-hmm. that's something that we will be emphasizing later in the show yeah. regarding one yeah. of their stars. Yeah. yeah. But look, uh, let's circle back to the Rangers because that's why most people are listening here. Uh, Rangers go into the draft with six picks uh, after they trade. And we recorded for this on, uh, what was it, uh, Wednesday? The yeah. Your group trade? Mm-hmm. We got a third round pick, a fifth round pick, and then a third round pick next year. I think that was a brilliant deal by Chris Drury. Really good trade. Getting that for a backup goalie that you're going to move on from anyway is great. Um, and it gave the Rangers a little more ammunition going into the draft. But the, those first two picks were really good by the Rangers. Uh, 63rd overall, they got Adam Shikora from Slovakia. Uh, great, great feisty. Uh, winger with a bit of snarl, you know, he's a real pest to play against. You know, he might not be the biggest, but he again, he already in the land in the first two days of prospect camp, he already showed that that he's he's he gets on the player's skin, like, like you know, he gets under your skin. Um, and yeah, the skill is there, he's not like top end skill like Slavkovsky, but he's part of a, a generation of players from Slovakia that that have done exceptionally well um his dad uh roman sikora played in the whl for the tri-city americans so uh he has a little bit of uh, like a hockey background in his family speaks english very well um 
he's not related to any of the Peter Sikoras, by the way. Um, and for me, the interesting thing is now what's going to happen with Sikora because there are basically four scenarios here. Because a week ago, Adam Sikora was drafted first overall in the CHL import draft. Now, for people oh, okay. that don't know, uh, every year, all teams in the CHL, so that's Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League, and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, they all pick in the import draft. And it's based on who is the worst team that year. Well, this year was the Madison Head Tigers by a mile in the WHL. They're terrible. Um, and it's not necessarily about the best player, but they usually try, the higher you pick, you try to draft a player that has a pretty good chance of coming over. Um, Gabriel Landeskog is a player that was drafted in the uh, import draft. Uh, and actually came over. Philip Hedel was drafted by the North Bay Battalion in 2017, but he never came over to play junior hockey because he went to the AHL, of course. Now, with Adam Shakora, the interesting thing is, so he can go to the Medicine Hat Tigers in the WHL, but he would need to be released by his team in Slovakia for that to happen. Option number two is to stay in Slovakia. Um, play another year there and based on comments and interviews that's his preference and i'm okay with that i'll get to that in a minute why i'm okay with that the third option is to go somewhere else in europe and the fourth option is to make the rangers team and stick with the rangers now the fourth option we can pretty much discard i don't think that's going to happen the third option going elsewhere in europe is something that could happen but it might be a, it might not happen this year um which brings me to my point, what kind of a player is Adam Shakora? Um, he said that he plays like Brett Marchand. I can kind of see that, you know, the way he acts on the ice. He never gives up. But in terms of style, the way he plays, I would say Arturi Lekkonen is a really good example of what Sikora could turn into. And when you look at Arturi Lekkonen's development, he was a late second-round pick. By the Montreal Canadiens. He played one year in his home country after being drafted, then went to Sweden for two years. And then uh, his fourth season after the draft, he came over and he stuck in the NHL right away. He never played a game in the AHL, never needed time to adjust. He just made the jump from Sweden straight into the NHL at age 21. That's the kind of career path that I would like to see for Adam Sikora. He's still 17. He doesn't turn 18 until, I think, September 8th. Let me quickly check so I get the date right here. Um, uh, September 7th, sorry. September 7th, uh, he turns 18. So he's among the youngest in his draft, in his draft class. There's really no rush here. Um, AHL is not a possibility because of the transfer agreement. The same reason Carl Henriksen couldn't play in the AHL last year. So technically, players who are drafted outside of the first round from Europe can only play in the AHL in the second and third year of their entry-level contract, not in the first year. If they still have a contract in Europe, and Adam Sikora still has a contract with Nitra in the Slovak League. But this pick, look, when the, when the Rangers were on the clock, there were about four players left that I realistically thought could be drafted in that range that I really wanted. And Adam Shakura was one of them. So I'm pretty excited about this one. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to him too. You know, when the Rangers didn't have a first round draft pick, it's like, in my personal opinion, it, it was hard for them to really mess up this draft. And mm-hmm. while, of course, even with this being a strong first pick to get that left winner, you see fans preaching left and right. Why not a setter? Why not a setter? But you got to realize that it's based on what is available with you at that time. And what's going to be available for you were your next picks. And the Rangers, they drafted a center and a one that I'm really enticed by. And that's Bryce McConnell Barker from the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. So, Stephen, what was your initial reaction to the Rangers acquiring him? Yeah, uh, third round pick, of course. 97th overall uh, played in the OHL. So I saw I saw quite a bit of him last season because, of course, I was watching a lot of Othman and Cooley and Veerling's games. Um, this kid... Uh, He's, he's a really good 200-foot player, plays all three zones. He's like a typical two-way center. and this is I love two-way centers. I, please, more of them, more of them. This, <laughs> is, this is the other point I was trying to make earlier. This was not the draft where you go for a high-end talent, you know, next year. If we keep our first-round pick next year, that's yeah. where you go for, for, for a big guy that could be potentially a franchise player. Next that's year's draft deep- is locked and loaded. Yeah, that's how deep the first round is next year. This year, you go for those guys that are complementary guys. And no disrespect to Sakura or McConnell Barker, but those players can cost you quite a bit if you go for them in free agency. We've seen that last couple of years. Guys like Barkley Goudreau, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Arturi Lekkonen, those are guys that at the deadline or in free agency are going to cost you millions. So if you're going to, if you want to try and avoid that, then this was the perfect draft to go after guys that, that fill those bottom six roles. We already have Will Cooley, Matt Rempe. Now, they're not all going to make the team, but the more chips you have on the table, the more chances you get. And I think Sikora and Berard have very much overlap in terms of their skill set. Um McConnell Barker is probably a guy that we desperately needed in our organization. Now, Korzak and Henriksen are pass-first players, really good hockey IQ, really good vision. McConnell Barker is, is, is more a Derek Stepan type, whereas Korzak and Henriksen, stylistically at least, more resemble Derek Broussard. Um, but this kid, you have 49 points in 68 games, 5 points in 10 playoff games. Played against Brendan Othman in the playoffs for the Sioux Greyhounds. Um, Steve Cornianos, who, you know, I, I, I like the guy. I've met him a couple of times. Great guy. He said about McConnell Barker that he's poised for a breakout. And I kind of agree. I think this upcoming season, we could see this kid hitting 80, 90 points. Um, he put up 49 points on the third line of a stacked Sioux Greyhounds team. You know, that's a that's a Sioux Greyhounds team that has players like Rory Karens, who's with the Flames, Ty Cartier, who's now in the Seattle uh, Kraken organization, Ryan O'Rourke of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, so they, they have they, they, they have guys that that carry that team this season. Now for McConnell Barker, it's it's the it's the opportunity to to step up because their oldest guys, uh, you know, there's, there's about four or five guys born in 2001, they're probably going to move on. Uh, they have a couple of guys born in 2002. They might move on as well. They're like 20 years old now. And then McConnell Barker, um, you know, 2004 born, he was the sixth youngest player on that team. And he put up 49 points in 68 games. That's If you look at 
you know, the situation he was in, then those points make you hopeful that, that there's more in it. Um, so yeah, McConnell Barker, I was, I was pretty happy with to get that in the third round. Um, and yeah, so far the first two picks, I was really excited about. Now the next one you wanted to talk about. So I'm going to give you the floor for the third pick. Yeah, Noah Laba, who I'll be completely blunt. I did not have much of a background on this man, you know, leading into the draft to begin with, but I was very satisfied with this pick. You know, the Rangers drafted forward right hand shot from Michigan. And it's so bizarre to me seeing kids draft in 2003, 2004 now. I mean, I'm going to be 22 this year, but every time that more and more drafts, I just feel like, wow, I'm getting old or they're just so young. I can't, I can't figure out how to really balance this in my mind. But Laba, what I love about him is he has versatility. I'm pretty sure he can play both wing and center. I don't think that he has a solidified what role he would potentially be with the Rangers organization. So if I'm wrong, please correct me here in a second, Stephen. But he played with the USHL Lincoln Stars last year. And in the USHL, put up a really respectable season in his second year with them. 39 points in only 15 games. 15 goals, 24 assists. I just really like this pick for the New York Rangers. And along with the center depth that they already acquired there with their previous pick that you just went over, I mean, to bring more forward depth away of this, in my personal opinion, Noah Lava is my favorite pick of this year's draft. I don't know. There's just something about him that I find really enticing that I think could be a sleeper for the Rangers. And the draft, as you emphasized, was more based off of depth versus rather of top-tier talent. Yeah, yeah, and Lava is an interesting case because uh, there, there has been some confusion about where he's going to play this upcoming season um, because initial reports were, uh, had Colgate University, which is located in is it Hamilton, New York. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, so I was excited when I saw that first. I was like, oh, great. Next time I'm in New York, I'm going to see if I can make my way up there, you know, watch a college game. Um, but then um, someone corrected me on Twitter it happens. I will <laughs> no, no one's perfect, Stephen. <laughs> uh, someone commented on one of my tweets and said, "Hey, uh, did you know he decommitted from Colgate and going to Colorado College?" So I decided to dive into that. And yeah, and the Lincoln Stars actually mentioned it on their Facebook page. But other than that, there was no real, uh, real news about it. But Elite Prospect has updated his page, so I guess it's, I guess it's, you know, more official now. By the way, Elite Prospects is one of my favorite websites in the world. Um, you know, they 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 always they always add uh, add links to to whatever they update. Um, every almost every player in the world is in their database. It's it's fascinating. Um, they have uh, family connections. Uh, so if you go to the page of Max um, uh, Barbashev, you can see that he's the younger brother of Ivan Barbashev, who plays for the St. Louis Blues. Look, I don't get paid for this, but seriously, elite prospects, bookmark it. It's, it's I'm glad that they did that Barbashev deal, and I saw Blues fans crying. Like, they were really disgruntled. They were like, ah, oh, yeah, the potential yeah. of him and Ivan. <laughs> yeah, and and look, I, I'm Personally, I'm not a fan of drafting brothers of players you already have in your organization. Yeah, that feels like nepotism 101. Because, <laughs> look, the Blackhawks did it with Kirby and Colton Doc, and now they traded Doc, and now, well, they traded Kirby Doc, and Colton Doc is now stuck they, in they Chicago. Should, they, they should have just threw Colton along with them. Yeah. Because that was the only damn reason why they drafted him in the first place. Yeah. Um. Speaking of brothers, Brady Berard, younger brother of Brett Berard, went undrafted and is at Rangers Prospect Camp as an invitee. So 
take oh, that okay. for what you will. But all right. Uh, but yeah, Noah Lava. You know, look, we're talking about fourth round picks here, 111th overall. This is that that area where you get to players that it's wait and see. You know, it's there are some names out there that are still exciting, but the Rangers decided to go with some picks that that on social media didn't go over very well, which reminds me of the 2019 draft when they went after Hunter Skinner um, and Adam Edstrom. It was also a very unpopular pick at the time, if I remember, Eric Ciccolini. Uh, look, this it's not an exact science, and I know that people really zone in on the players that they want to see, that they know, but but Laba in, in, in the middle of the fourth round, second year eligible, he's turning 19 in August. Not a terrible pick. And yeah, it's just another center added to the mix. Um, and then in the fifth round, they have two picks. They had their own selection, 159th. And then the fifth round pick they received from the Colorado Avalanche for Alexander Georgiev, which is 161st. So they had two picks in two picks out of three at the end of the fifth round um and do you know who was drafted in between uh vittorio mancini and max barbashev no the son of rangers legend marek malik oh i did not know that i didn't i did not even realize that i wasn't watching every pick especially as we got into the Um, latter rounds so the Tampa Bay Lightning drafted Malik's son. I think he's a goalie. Um, and, uh, yeah, right in between our two picks, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, 159th overall, they go with Vittorio Mancini, uh, American uh, American kid. Interesting career trajectory. They, are, they pronoun- are they pronouncing it Mancini or Mancini? Is it Mancini or is it Mancini? I don't because know. Because that's – I mean, it could vary, but I know for me – Trey Mancini, who's a great baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles, is spelled the exact same way. Okay, maybe it's Mancini. I don't know. Okay. Either way, I'll take the Paisans any day of the week. So let's, happy let's to have with, them in the Rangers organization. Let's go with Mancini. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so in the fifth round, they get this defensive on 6'3", 260 pounds, right-handed shot, 20 years old. So this was his third year eligible for the draft. But – he, like I said, he had an interesting career path. He played for the U.S. NTDP until 2019, and then he moved to Sweden, uh, where he played for Fulunda's under-18 and under-20 teams, and he captained the under-20 team for Fulunda in Sweden as an American defenseman. So to, to, to captain a junior team as a, in, in Europe as an American, that's always interesting. But he also played with Carl Henriksen when he was over there. When Henriksen was still on their under-20 team, they played together for Forlunda. Um, so 2021, he comes back to, to the United States and then goes on to play with another Rangers prospect currently in the system. Uh, one of the guys I have over there on the wall, Brody Lamb, because he went to the Green Bay Gamblers for 33 games at the end of the season. Of course uh, he did. And then this past season, he played for University of Nebraska-Omaha. 38 games, five assists, no goals. Um, yeah, a little bit of a, of an in, it's an interesting pick. Let's put it that way. Um, probably should have been drafted two years ago. Um, I don't really remember remember his name coming up much last year or this year. But uh, look, his dad used to be a scout for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, 
he works with uh, with you with you with USA's under 17 team. I think he's their head coach. So there is a little bit of a connection there, as you know. Uh, uh, Ryan Martin, Chris Drury, they have a connection there with with USA Hockey. I don't know if that's the reason they drafted this kid, but it's interesting nonetheless. Um, look, when you draft a kid at age 20, it's always it's always a bit of a risk because on the one hand, they're two years ahead in their development, but if they fall to the fifth round, I mean, there's also two fewer years of growth left in them at age 20. So I, I don't really know what to make of this, but it is a defenseman. Defensemen don't age as, uh, you know, don't reach their peak as fast as forwards. Yeah, they, um, they're like they're like a slow burn. They take their time usually. Yeah, yeah. And then with the last pick in the fifth round is a pick that I was happy with, but mostly because of the league we was drafted from because – I finally have a reason to watch the QMJHL again, Tyler. Is it? Um, I, I thought for me personally, I I would be lying if I said I've watched much of any QMJHL for the Rangers specifically since Anthony Duclair's time with the Quebec Remparts. It's been yeah, that long that, for me. That's probably the last time I regularly checked into QMJHL games. Wow! See, there you for go. Rangers prospect. Uh, was Ryan Graves in the QMJHL? I would not know. That that would be something that you would know. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Anyway, uh played for the plays for the Moncton Wildcats. As we said, younger brother of Ivan Barbashev, uh 18 years, 18 years old, first year eligible. Um, turns 19 in December. So he's only uh eligible for the World Juniors uh, this upcoming December, January. That'll be his final opportunity to play for Russia. I don't think he's going to because you know. There's too much competition there, but look, Barbashev, uh, interesting kid to add to uh, to the team. Production is not really there yet. Like 42 points in 59 games is not is not terrible, but um, we'll see how he does with the Mountain Wildcats. You know, he plays in a QMJHL. Um, I'll be doing regular updates on him. Uh, I'll be getting to. I, I finally get to watch some games again. I'm gonna have to familiarize myself with all those teams because. Then the last, like I said, like like we just talked about, the last time I watched the QMJHL must have been 2014, 2015. That's almost yeah. a decade ago. I so. know it's crazy to think about, honestly. But yeah. And then the the last um acquisition the Rangers made in the, in this year's draft in the sixth round, Zachary Carpa, another uh, day, another the center. Only, the only player currently in the development camp that that had been in the Rangers locker room before he was uh, he was drafted by the Rangers. Really? Because uh, he was born when his dad, Dave Carpa, played for the Rangers. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I remember I saw an article recently about his connection yeah. in the organization. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's, from, he, he's from Greenwich, Connecticut. It all makes sense. You know, he's, yeah. he's an East Coast boy. He has a brother, Jacob Carpa, uh, twin brother. Um, uh, so, yeah, when, when his dad, Dave Carpa, played for the Rangers, they, they were in the locker room as babies, which is pretty cool. Um but yeah, another center, 6'2", 190 pounds, 20 years old. So, you know, again, third year eligible like uh, like Mancini. Um, played for Harvard this past season, same college that uh, – same school that Adam Fox went to. Um, so we'll have a couple of years l left of his eligibility. Um, or sorry, of his NHL rights. Um, but, yeah, the sixth-round pick, 20 years old. 
Um, not going to go crazy with the predictions here. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he's just a complete toss-up. If he pans out to literally anything, then that's a win. And if he yeah. doesn't, it's not hurting anyone either. That that's normally the case when you get on to the fifth, sixth, you know, seventh rounds, things of that nature. Um, but you know, I think we had the nail on the head with all these prospects. Again, nothing drastic. This is really the first, you know, these past, you know, two years, or I shouldn't even say two years. This is really the first year since 2016, 2017, where us Ranger fans, we don't have that same, at least for me, I haven't had that same type of vibe going into the draft. You know, I've been very antsy about the draft in years prior with the Rangers having top picks throughout the entire rebuild slash retool. Even last year, I was still a decent amount of antsy. You know, when they got Brennan Hoffman, that was a big deal. And a lot of Ranger fans, including myself, were not aware on the exact reason behind why they say went for him over a center. Thankfully, everything has worked out beautifully because you you built this relationship with Hoffman outside of him being a great guy. He's been a phenomenal player so far in junior. So, I mean, things have panned out, but this is really the first year really since, you know, the likes of the Glenn Sather days where you don't have a first round pick and you just you don't know what to do. I just I, I was, yeah. you know, sitting on my hands. I just I was like, OK, and we'll just see what the, happens. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets with the first round pick they got from us in the Andrew Kopp trade, they drafted Brad Lambert from Finland. Um, who had a similar drop in rankings uh, to Joe Valeno. I the... really would have liked Lambert. I'm not going to lie. If there yeah. would have been one upside of keeping that pick, that, uh, that has I'll say this though, Tyler. I will choose Eastern Conference mm-hmm. final experience for our young core over Brad Lambert. Oh, absolutely. The Rangers don't get to where they do if it isn't for the likes of landing Andrew Kopp who yeah. we will be describing a lot here later in the show because there has been yeah. some updates on Cobb and his future. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting couple of years for Ranger fans. You know, we, we've gone through a rebuild. Uh, we're entering, well, we're in the middle of phase, well, at the end of phase two, in my opinion. One more year, and then we're entering phase three. And phase three is where you go all in, where you are a contender every year. So now we're getting to see some of these picks either make the team or be traded away. We saw Tarmo Reunanen being traded away. We saw Braden Schneider, Keandre Miller make the team. Lafreniere and Kako are on the team. Kravtsov's back in the mix. Uh, you still have Jones and Lundqvist, which those two players still have a future, I think, in New York because they cannot keep Jacob Truba that much longer with that giant cap hit. So it's going to be interesting. But we have to understand that there there are going to be trades made that are going to make some fans really unhappy, whether it's trading away Jacob Truba or maybe Nils Lundqvist is going to be sent packing to another team for for a prospect in a different position. Trades are going to be made, and and not everyone's going to like it. We have some breaking news that isn't related to the Rangers, but is related to the NHL overall. If you'd like to hear it, sure. Okay, Scott Bowman has just announced he is no longer part of the Chicago Blackhawks organization as of July 1st. He is a free agent. He said, I still love the game and would like to stay involved. So he is up on the market a lot. People are vouching for him to go back to Montreal or, you know, go Detroit or something along those lines here in the East. But, yeah, what's your initial reaction to Scotty Bowman? Um, yeah, um, I mean, what can I say? Eight months too late. Yeah. When 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 did the Cow Beach news leak? Was it last year or the year before? It honestly feels like a blur. Um, I think I it was like, last year, November or December. Yeah, I feel like it was last year. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, because Joe Quenville was fired by the Florida Panthers earlier this season. Yes, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Stan Bowman leaving the Blackhawks. Well, no, so not Stan, not Stan. Who? Scott. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I... I I always I always mix up the names. I do too. I, I think I even meant I think I might have even said Scotty Bowman earlier when I yeah. meant to say Stan, but no, Scott Bowman is who we're talking about. Scott Bowman. Okay. That's he was the general manager for the Blackhawks, right? Yes. Yeah. Should have happened eight months ago. Eight months too late, but happy uh, happy he uh, happy he resigned. Um, yeah. I guess the um, the healing process can finally start in Chicago now. You know, everyone involved or almost. Oh, he wasn't even involved. GM. I'm sorry, Bowman was. Uh, he was senior advisor of hockey ops for Chicago Blackhawks. You know, yeah, he, he, he was a longtime head coach, obviously back in the day, but it's been a while. Um, he he's most recently been senior advisor. Oh of hockey no, ops. no, wait. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> It's the damn names Bowman? throwing me off. Scott Bowman. Bowman. Scott Bowman. Scott Bowman. Okay, that's the dad who was yes. like all time. Okay, all time yeah. legendary coach. Yes. Okay. Legend Scott Bowman. Yes. <laughs> Forget what I said then, because Stan Bowman, I think, was already gone. Yeah. No, Stan's been gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, never yeah. mind. Scratch everything I said then. Um. But yeah. Okay. Scotty Bowman. Gone. I mean, going back to Montreal, why not? This entire year has been about the Montreal Canadiens already. Getting the first overall pick, uh, hosting the draft, you know, uh, uh, having a complete reorg already. Um, might as well, might as well add Scotty Bowman as a senior advisor again. Yeah, how old is Scotty Bowman? I would imagine he's some in his seventies. Let me let me let me look it up. And then, and then we'll pivot on if there's anything else you want to say on Prospect Camp. Because besides that, we'll just dive into all the news and rumors. Then he's turning 89 in September. Holy smokes! Granted, I'm um, out of touch. I, I did not. I was not watching hockey right. when Scotty Bowman was at his prime as head coach. So <laughs> he's 89 and still wanting to kick it. I respect that. Just, just retire, old man. Enjoy, enjoy your pension. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the twilight of your life. You've earned it. Um, but yeah, what, what we were talking about earlier before you came up with the breaking news? Yeah, uh, look, the prospects with the Rangers have there's gonna be decisions made that are gonna be unpopular, but it's 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 an exciting time, man. Um, by the way, my interview with Brennan Othman uh, got, was published earlier today. Sweet, awesome. Where can, where can everyone find that in case they're interested? Um, the interview with Brennan Othman is on foreverblueshirts.com. Um, I tweeted it out earlier this morning. So if you need, if you find a, if you need to find a link, go to my uh, Twitter page, Statboy underscore Stephen. Uh, there's a link there to the Othman article and a tweet from earlier today. You guys aren't going to want to miss it. It was a phenomenal interview. Again, Stephen doing his best 
I don't even know, like, like fun uncle impression every time that there's a new young stud in the in the Rangers organization. Through yeah, the now you're making me feel old. I mean, but let's be honest here, Stephen. You are quite literally that fun uncle. You get these interviews, you build these relationships, and just like that, everyone's inviting you to their holiday dinner. Like, it's just this is how this works. Um, but yeah, so make sure to check that out, guys. If you haven't already, definitely will be worth your while. Uh, but now let's get into again, Stephen. Stephen's never been a fan of discussing rumors and. I don't blame him because something that I've learned when it comes to hockey rumors, which really does separate itself from some different sports to varying degrees, but I've learned since I started to get involved in the hockey space of content creating and a part of the industry is there's just so much that'll be out there. And a lot of times, more than likely, very few things will transpire. So before we get on to more of the rumor-based discussion, which of course leads into NHL for agency beginning tomorrow at around 1 p.m. Eastern time, make sure you guys are ready for that. Let's talk about the news that has happened with the Rangers thus far, because there's a couple slight things. And it starts with the Rangers extending qualifying offers to Kyle Kako, Ganger, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, but you know it with the R, Rosha? Austin, Austin Rushev. Austin Rushev, yes. So, Kako, I'm glad that they did that, of course. And they also did it with Libor Hayek. However, Hayek has now signed today. Libor Hayek signed a one-year deal because it's another year. It's another Rangers of having a defenseman that they're going to do nothing with. Patrick Nemeth, who was available to be bought out today by the New York Rangers, something that Stephen was not in favor of, which I don't blame him because, again, the Rangers, they've dealt with buyouts, feels like, every other year. The Rangers did not do that. They did not put him on unconditional waivers, which is what you have to do prior to the buyout in this buyout period. And now Nemeth is not going to be bought out this year. So truly the only scenarios for him left are to either be traded or to stay on this roster. He can still be bought out, technically. Technically, but it's a little trickier than it needs to be. Oh, no, wait. No, never mind. No, the second buyout window is only for contracts over $4.5 Oh, see? Then he can't even. This is it. No. No buyout for Nemeth. So it's going to be either a trade um he's going to be demoted or they're going to keep him on the team and Shostyurikin is going to have to uh, run for his life <laughs> someone someone commented here on YouTube Libor has naked pictures of Drury I, I swear <laughs> Listen, <laughs> find someone who loves you as much as Drury loves Libor Hayek I, I I don't know if this is Drury's way of trying to I salvage the trade okay. that he didn't even do but like you want to hear my wild theory about this Sure. I think back in 2018, when Jeff Gordon was negotiating for the McDonough and JT Miller trade with Tampa, that Libor Hayek was actually Chris Drury's guy. You think he was like, Libor's the guy. We got to go for him. <laughs> Screw this Mikhail Sergachev kid. We got to go all in and get Libor well, Hayek. They were never gonna get Sergachev. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just. I think, I think. Well, with the way Drury has been hanging on for dear life onto uh, Leibor Hayek, it almost feels like Hayek was Drury's guy in that trade. He convinced Gordon to include Leibor Hayek in that trade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens with Leibor. Julian Gauthier is back, I believe, on a one-year deal as well. Yeah. I, I don't expect him to stay, however. I expect him to be dealt at some point. Um, we'll see what that amounts to. But that's so, really all the news we got for now, unless do you, you have know, for me, Stephen. Do you know the three prospects currently in uh, in the Rangers organization that were part of that McDonough trade, or at least part of the trade tree? Prospects, like so that aren't even on. 
that aren't on the active roster or anything? Libor Hayek is still in the organization, of course. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I know the trade as a whole. It was Hayek, it was Howden, and we also had the draft pick that, if I'm not mistaken, did that turn into Keandre? No, no, it turned into Niels Lundqvist. Niels. It was one of the I – always, I always flip-flopped them. But there are three prospects currently in prospect camp that are tied to that trade as well. Oh, now you've lost me. So, and what have you already talked about today? You got to tell me, Stephen. <laughs> so, with the second round pick, we got a trade. We drafted Carl Henriksen. Okay. And Nemesnikov, who was part of the trade. Uh, oh, see, I wasn't even thinking about Nemesnikov. Was then traded okay. to the Ottawa, I think the Ottawa Senators for Nick Ebert and a fourth round pick. Yep. I remember that, that fourth round pick last year were used for Kala Vaisanen, who's the second prospect currently in camp. Mm-hmm. And the third one, Noah Lava. Oh, look at that. Wow. Because he was drafted with the pick we got from Vegas for Brett Howden. Wow. That's a trade tree, isn't it? By the and way, no- Brett Howden did not get a qualifying offer from the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, that's a damn shame now, isn't it? <laughs> Brett wishing him the best and, and, uh, and for agency, we'll see if he lands anywhere. Um, and Michael Delzado is getting bought out by the Senators. I mean, that that one I'm not su- too surprised by. Senators Senator have done everything right. Yeah. As, I don't want this to come off in the wrong way, and then we'll stop getting on a tangent because we have a lot of rumor talk to have. But it's kind of crazy how, especially since Eugene Melanick's passing, Pierre Dorian has been on the absolute money. He was a little bit prior with his drafting. But Doreen has really done a damn good job for the Senators. What I like, since what I like the, the, the draft, especially. I was watching the Sportsnet feed at the draft, and in the first round, they zoomed in on the Ottawa Senators' table, and uh, they showed Pierre Dorian talking with the, with uh, Eugene Melnick's daughters, who now took over ownership of the team, of course. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it was good to see that that relationship has sort of been fixed yeah it's salvaged i think is a good yeah. way to say right yeah. Yeah. and i mean just give him all the credit in the world just that mm-hmm. to bring it move alone on top oh, of no. parting ways with matt murray's contract to toronto my goodness yeah. have yourself a week pierre get it seventh overall is a great pick don't get me wrong but the brink is a is a bona fide 40 goal scorer he scored 40 plus goals this past season Debrinket is what I have hopes Cole Caulfield can be. By the way, be. for any Ranger fan being obsessed about size, Debrinket is 5'7". Exactly, and that's why I brought up Caulfield, for the exact same reason. You know, yeah. Debrinket reminds me of what I hope to see Caulfield be. You know, we saw flashes last year when St. Louis first became head coach for them. Um, but, yeah, so let, let's get away from these tangents now. Let's talk about the rumors, okay? Um, let's see, Josh, you're at Jordan Park. trying as long as I could. To that, no, never mind. What? Oh, uh, well, I'm trying okay. as long as I could to postpone it, but let's go for the let's go. For I the know, room. and again, this is why a lot of people are watching on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So we're gonna take it. We're gonna take a decent amount of time on this discussion, guys. There will be no Q and A today. My apologies, but again, given time and given how important these, these rumor discussions are, because Stephen, who knows? Maybe we'll be back here in a couple days and having a discussion on the Rangers making some major moves because. The Rangers, another offseason where they are linked to as many guys as possible. But with the assumption now that Ryan Strom will not return as a New York Ranger, now nothing's certain. I do think Ryan Strom can still potentially be a fallback plan. 
but he definitely looks like a man that has played his last days in a Rangers uniform. However, the man that we originally thought would be an excellent replacement for him, the man that the Rangers acquired at this year's trade deadline, and Andrew Kopp, has now been reported from Arthur Staple of The Athletic and numerous other reports that the Rangers are now out on the Andrew Kopp sweepstakes. They've worked in recent days to negotiate a new deal with Kopp, but they have reached a stalemate. And for that reason, it looks like that unless something drastically changes, Andrew Kopp will not only hit the market, but he will not return to the New York Rangers after having a short but really impressive stint, if you're asking for my opinion, with what he brought both at the center and wing position. Loved his versatility. I'm a big fan of Andrew Kopp's regardless. I'll be wishing him the best of luck regardless on where he lands. But you have to wonder why is this happening for the Rangers, right? Because at this juncture, they don't have a second-line center with the assumption that both Kopp and Stromer are no longer in this organization. So what does that lead you with, Steven? Well, there's a couple names out there, and I know that there have been Ranger fans that have been preaching for the likes of a Vinny Trocek, for instance, in which the Carolina Hurricanes may not be bringing back. I've heard veteran names like Paul Stasny, who, again, I would not be inclined with. I think that's a regression versus moving upwards in the organization with what they're trying to do in this one-now stage now. But there's two names that really stand out at the, at the center position. And it starts with the man that's on the thumbnail today. Because for the first time in his career, Evgeny Malkin is going to test the waters in free agency. The contract negotiations with the Penguins stalled. And according to reports, the Pens did not even offer him a four-year deal, which is what he was looking for. Now, when you think about that, I don't necessarily blame the Pens too much in doing that. However, when they signed Latane to that long-term deal they just did, it's pretty, it's, it's very contradictive, in my opinion. So Malkin now is soonly looking in the market of a four-year, six-mil AAV deal, a Rangers team that does by no means have a lot of cap space. So they would have to get creative with any significant offseason acquisition that they do. What is your take on Evgeny Malkin with the Rangers' potential? Because for, my, for me personally, Stephen, there's no denying the talent that is Evgeny Malkin, right? I think the biggest concern with someone like him, if this even gets anywhere, is the term of the contract. I am not enticed with Evgeny Malkin, probably even past one year, maybe two. But even then, a four-year deal for someone who was at this point in his career, I don't know how much drive he would potentially have coming to the Rangers at this point. You know, he's a multi-time Stanley Cup champion. It's interesting. It really is interesting. Not something I'm getting my hopes up on. But I want to know what your initial reaction is to Evgeny Malkin and the potential connection here with the Rangers. Yeah, look, speaking of the Penguins, um, I think the deal that that really makes no freaking sense to me for the Penguins is that they signed Raquel to a six-year. Yeah, contract. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I completely forgot about that for a minute. Um, so they prefer to keep Ricard Raquel over Evgeny Malkin. That. I know Evgeny Malkin is not the player he once was, but come on. If I can choose between Malkin and Raquel, I'll I'll pick Malkin. You know, Malkin is how old is Malkin? 35, 36? I think 35. I mean, if he wants four years that takes him to uh that takes him to 39 or 40, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pay a lot for, for those twilight years, which I'm not a fan of, but Man, I don't think Raquel is the solution either for Pittsburgh. But look, um, Malkin is 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 not the player he once was. But 
the guy still puts up points, man. In 42 points in 41 games in a regular season. The only issue I could see is that he hasn't played a full season since what? Like, let's go all the way. The last time he played 82 games was 08 or 09. So he's always missing some games with injury, but. And I think man, that's a big risk when evaluating Malkin as your second line center, right? Yeah, and look, if, if Malkin is 29-30, I don't mind a five-year deal, but we're talking oh, about a no. guy. If he's, if he's 29-30, by God, I mean, you give him anything, everything. <laughs> That's what yeah. I think. Um, so, look, I don't know I don't know if, if Malkin is going to be the guy for the Rangers. I think Malkin makes a lot of sense for the Seattle Kraken. Why uh, in God's name would he want to go to Seattle, Stephen? Well, well, why wouldn't he? What do you mean, why wouldn't he? He was trying to leave the Pens because he's trying to not necessarily just get a new deal, but to go to a team that's still competitive. Yeah, but with him and a couple more, look, the West behind the Colorado Avalanche is wide open. The Nashville Predators right now are the second best team in the West. Yeah, no, I, this is and, probably the biggest and, thing I'll be completely in disagreement with you on. And, I, no chance in hell. He's going to Washington, in my opinion, if he's not oh, no. I mean, going going to if, uh, if like Rangers compete, or even Florida. If he wants to compete right now, then the Capitals makes the most sense, especially if Backstrom is on IR. Mm-hmm. You know, if Backstrom remains on LTIR, he is, he is a good replacement for Backstrom playing with Ovechkin. Um I'm just saying the Seattle Kraken could really use a veteran center to to fill in those minutes until Veneers and Wright are ready. I, I I get what you're saying. I just don't see a world where Malkin in the scenario where he actually did leave the Penguins to wrap up his career goes to the Seattle Kraken that by no chance are in a position to the same degree as one, the Capitals, two, the Panthers, three, the Rangers. I, I think he stays out on the East Coast. If should he part with the pen, yeah. which is what we're looking at right now, I, I don't um, think I don't think the range is going to get Malkin. However, I think they're going to try something, and I feel this is the reason why Nemeth wasn't bought out. I feel this is the reason Nemeth wasn't bought out either, Stephen, and that leads me to a couple more players. But the second sentiment of discussion, and I would like to emphasize, we haven't talked about JT Miller today, like we did in our last episode, and that's why. That's that's quite literally because JT Miller trade talk has completely died down since the draft. It would assume, at least from what we saw, that anything that was a potential there went in hand with this year's draft. There, it's it's been you know it's been you could hear a pin drop since then. Now, granted, Chris does keep things hush hush. He does not leak too much. So everything that we are talking about, while it's been reported rumors. Just because it's been reported it does not mean that's going to lead to something actually transpiring. Those are always two different things, and that's why yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how this free agent market goes. However, there is another centerman that has been reported that the Rangers may take a push on from reliable sources, especially a page that I follow on Twitter that has hit the nail on the head plenty of times. And this is the man that makes zero sense for the Rangers from a financial aspect but does make plenty of sense for the Rangers in a win-now team stage and looking to add not just more goal scoring, strong playmaking, but aggressiveness, and that is Nazem Kadri, who is one of the biggest free agents on the market right now. Now you're probably wondering, how in God's name could the New York Rangers somehow, some way, leg out a deal for Nazem Kadri? It's a, it's a great question for a guy that's looking for upwards of six years, right around six and a half to seven mil AEV, 
it's really it, I do, it's so hard to fathom that potential. Now, Larry Brooks, who's been swinging and missing more than any other reporter out there, it would seem at times, did come out with an article today, which did indicate that the Rangers could easily, not easily, but could make a deal happen with a third-party signing trade like the Blackhawks, like Arizona, where they sign him, eat half his salary, and in return, the Rangers shell out a plethora of prospects and draft capital to make it worthwhile on both ends. Now, hypothetically, yes, anything can happen, but one signing trades of that nature very, do not happen often. And two, Kadri to the Rangers. I mean, look, there's no denying that he fits the bill for a playoff type player as long as he doesn't get suspended, which thankfully he didn't for Colorado this past year. Um, but he definitely is a guy that is already his peak. He just had like an 87 point season for Colorado, was a goal scoring machine. However, that is his best career year. I don't think Kadri will ever put up those numbers again, in my personal opinion. I think he will loom around between being a 65 to 70, 75 tops point guy. I could be completely wrong, but you know, at the age of 32, looking for a long-term deal, this does somewhat have the feeling of a Sather-esque type move should the Rangers go all in on it. So, Stephen, what's your initial reaction to Nazem Kadri and his potential connection to the Rangers now? It's interesting you say that about, you know, that he had just one good season because... Oh, I didn't say he had one good season. I think that this was his by far breakout year. It was an outlier season. Yes. Which was also the case for JT Miller. Yeah, that's which fair. Which was also the case for Chris Kreider. Yep. Which kind of brings me to the point, it was a breakout year for a lot of players this past season. Mm-hmm. And scoring was way up. We, Do you we think it's sustainable, at, Stephen? We just witnessed the highest scoring season since 96. Do you think it's sustainable? Or do you no. think that this year was an anomaly? I think this year was an anomaly, which is one of the main reasons why I think Shashurkin was robbed of the heart. Because in a season where scoring was incredibly high, he still put up a better save percentage than any goalie in the last 10, 15 years. But this upcoming season, scoring is not going to be that high again. There was no crazy rule change that caused this. It's just an anomaly. Look, if we are talking about widening the nets, you know, uh, uh, shrinking the pads, an actual rule change that that actually affects the play and the scoring goes up significantly, then, yeah, you can make a case that that kind of increase in scoring is going to carry over to next season. But there was no major rule change. There was no big, big difference in how the game is played this past season compared to the season before that. The season is just an anomaly. Kreider scoring 50-plus goals is an anomaly, the same way 99 points for Miller and 70-plus points for Kadri is an anomaly. And I would hate for my team to overpay for a player based on one season in where scoring was extremely high. There's risk, right? And it makes me think of previous free agent years. I mean, we see this all the time with veterans, though, that hit the market. Hold on, Stephen. We see this time and time again with a lot of veterans that are already in their late 20s, early 30s, have a breakout year in their walk year, and they just are never that same player. Production level wise, you know. So, what were you going to say? Uh, Twenty sixteen off season. Yes, bingo. Milan Lucic six million a year. Kalik Poso six million a year. Louis Erickson six million a year. David Bacchus six million a year. 
Andrew Ladd, 5.5. Franz Nielsen, 5.2. Uh, Troy Brower, 4.5. These were all signed in the same offseason 2016. I think general managers, hopefully they learn from this. So it's either going to be a very quiet free agency or general managers are going to go all in. And in two, three years, we're going to have the same conversation about 2022 as we were having about 2016. You know what I think, Stephen? I think that there is one veteran out there that may just find himself in a Rangers uniform by the time the season begins. And he's one that we have not yet discussed. However, we did. I didn't mention to him you prior to us recording. And he is also not going to be a free agent, but rather a rental for a Chicago Blackhawks team. And that is Patrick Kane. And Patrick Kane, in my opinion, is probably the most interesting player of them all right now. Yes, he's a veteran like the Evgeny Malkins of the world. But like Evgeny Malkin, as long as he's healthy, which Kane has, he has been by all means a beyond productive player. He is arguably the best American of all time. You could rightfully argue as a hockey player. There, if you just just pulling up his numbers right now, which is Patty Kane again, he's at age 33 right now. He's actually like a year and a half younger than I expected he was. Kane just casually put up 92 points this past season with an abysmal Blackhawks team, right? And Kane, year after year, has been consistent, and he is going. He is set right now to have a discussion with the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe, if not a Ray, then soon this week on his future, which would make you think that he will be traded. He's a rental. He has a 10.5 mil or so cap hit for one more year. The Blackhawks can surely eat half that contract, 50% retained, do obtain any type of prospect of significant capital to acquire um, to part ways with their longtime star in Kane in which that they won't lose him for nothing. So, Stephen, I do want to address there's a $20 donation in the chat. Thank you so much, Azuls. I appreciate that kindly here in the show. And I know that not everyone is in love with Kane on him coming to the Rangers, so I can understand why if you guys are for and against. I'm just telling you guys right now, I do not think it would be outlandish in the slightest should the Rangers go out and actually acquire Patrick Kane to repair his relationship with Artemi Panarin. The Rangers would more than likely then not go all in um, for some center options. I would imagine that they would potentially either see what Philip Heal can do moving up to the second spot. Maybe the Rangers even consider someone that isn't Ryan Strom, but rather his brother and Dylan as a number three center or of something of the, there's a lot of different avenues the Rangers can go down. But Patrick Kane has been a topic of discussion, a heavy one. And when looking at just the amount of money, a one-year deal, which is what he's left off with, how much prospect capital you give up, that's a great question. However, I don't want the Rangers to do a Glenn Sather situation, as you stated in our last pod, where they build up all these picks and these prospects over the years, don't develop them early, and instead of really building them, they just part with them too soon. That would be a Blackhawks toy as well, for being honest here. What's your take on Patrick Kane? Because he really, really is an interesting one for me. Probably the most interesting of them all. I'm excited to see what his future is going to be. If you put Kane with Panarin and Hedl down the middle, I do not see how Hedl doesn't put up 60, 70 points. Because look, um, look at what Kane does with every single linemate he usually has. They throw. Yeah, look, and and I know there's look. The one thing I don't like about Kane is how much it's going to cost to acquire him. Yeah, I, I agree. But here's the thing, though, he is but, still a rental, so yeah, I get it. He's going to cost you a bit, but it's not as bad well, as maybe what it could be. Well, that's what we said about Martin Saint Louis in 2014. 
Well, that was also still Glenn Sather, you know, running things. Yeah. He, he was but a lot look, more willing. <laughs> let's 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 uh, shift to the positives about Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane had ninety-two. How many points did he have? Ninety-two. Yeah, yeah, yeah ninety-two season. points. Yeah, two twenty-six uh, goals, sixty-six assists. Yeah. But here, here's what I find intriguing about Patrick Kane and why I think he would be actually filling a huge need for the Rangers. Because what is the one thing we've talked about all season, Tyler? This team does not score at even strength. No, they do not. And what does Patrick Kane do, Stephen? Patrick Kane, even strength points, 15th in the league with 61. Tied with Nathan McKinnon and Elias Lindholm. One point behind Jake Gensel and Kyle Connor. That's not too bad. Only four, only, sorry, only 12 players had more points at even strength than Patrick Kane this past season. That's the positive. What's the negative with Patrick Kane, Stephen? Um, that you're going to have to give up assets to acquire a player that you probably cannot afford to sign to an extension unless you trade away another big piece. Now, if you are trading away Jacob Truba next year, you can keep Patrick Kane. There's but, no, I mean, if they didn't have Seth Jones, I think there could be some potential there, but I, they're, they're already locked up with a no, lot no, of I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not saying trading Truba to the Blackhawks. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. From in the, the separate trade, discussion. you trade okay. Truba for assets next year. You acquire Kane this year. You write it out in his final, the final year of his contract. They retain fifty percent somehow. You acquire him. I don't I don't want to talk about the assets it's going to cost, but if you acquire Patrick Kane and you want to keep him after next season, it is possible if you move on from Jacob Truba next year. I think Kane is a better option than Evgeny Malkin. Even though he's not a center, because, you know, this, this whole center debate is is getting very exhausting because it's it's all we've talked about as a fan base for the last years, last few years. Um, we drafted Schneider instead of a center. We drafted Othman instead of a center. We drafted Lafreniere when fans were debating, should we go with Quinton Byfield? Well, thank God we didn't do that. Um, should we have drafted Kirby Doc instead of Capo Caco? I don't know. I still think Capo Caco on draft day was the was the consensus number two pick. I'm not ready to off Caco yet in the slightest. He still has complete potential yeah, to but, even have a Jonathan Huberdo esque jump. But as, aside from that, Monday morning quarterbacking a draft three years later is just too easy. Yeah. Even if it was the case that Kirby Doc was a star. Okay, let's, let's talk about Moritz Sider or Trevor Zegers. Any Ranger fan who says we should have drafted them second overall, yeah, that's just not how it works. You know, it, back in 2019, look, Steve Eisenman in 2019 got enough shit already drafting Moritz Sider sixth overall. When I like that pick. I thought that was yeah, it. I, that was a good one. Yeah, but I was in the arena that day when it happened, and it was crazy. People were calling Eisenman crazy. People were saying that Eisenman lost his marbles because he went with a kid he could have had in 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 the twenty range because that's where he was ranked. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, he was right, but can you imagine the Rangers picking Sider second overall? It was never even an option. So yeah, the Rangers have just had bad luck that they 
ironically, if they get the first pick in 2019 and the second pick in 2020, they might be better off. But, you know, the situation we're in, we still have Zibanejad, and I don't care what anyone says, Zibanejad is a legitimate top-line center. Um, and if your second line is Panarin, Hedl, Kane, I think Kane can really help Panarin at even strength too because the big the big issue with Panarin we've had is even strength. And that's what makes this such an interesting discussion again because – I think there's a large portion of Ranger fans out there that would love Patrick Kane on the Rangers. And it's not about him, but it really is, as you said earlier, what you'd have to give up to land someone like him. And for me personally, that's where I have my biggest confliction, right? I have people in the live chat here on YouTube right now. They're saying we can't go back to the old Ranger way. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm a Rangers fan that, again, grew up, understood the Sather way, was never, never in favor of the Sather way because it didn't just deplete the farm, but this was a Rangers team that fell short during their core group in the 2010s. They never got to where that they were supposed to while year after year parting ways with their potential future. So when I look at Patrick Kane, at the right price, I think you 1,000% go all in on him. However, can the Rangers sway a deal without parting ways with someone like Capo Caco? Is that a potential, or do you think that's almost inevitable that even as a rental, because they would eat 50% of the cap, assumably around there for the remainder of the year, that they would have to part with someone to his magnitude. I think it's going to cost you at least a first round pick and, and a, and a guy like Kako, which look for one year of Kane, it's just not worth it. If we're talking about Kane for two, three years, then, then yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind it, but it's only one year. How much is Kane? Look, I really hope Drury can pull this off in a return. Let's say, let me let me look up this trade because if we can get him for a package that the Predators got for Subban. Hold on, let me look it up. While you're looking that up, I would just like to, again, shout out to everyone that's been chiming in here on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for that. Make sure to smash that like and subscribe on. You guys are enjoying the latest Rangers Review podcast, episode 61. The Rick Nash pod is what we're doing today here on Rangers Review. And if you guys are listening wherever you get your podcast, don't hesitate from rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends. Thank you guys so much for that. And Master Shotgun, thank you for the $2 donation here in the chat that says Siren Depth wins championships. I agree Siren Depth is vitally important, something the Rangers haven't had. I do believe the Raiders can still address the center position to a degree without, I mean, in the scenario where they would acquire Patrick Kane. However, I think there's no denying that in the scenario where they did acquire Patrick Kane, it would lessen their ability at that position naturally yeah. just with the money that they're working with. So, yes, I, I see the I see the concerns with prioritizing a winner over a center, um, but I also see the upsides as well. But. Fair point, Master Shotgun. Thank you for that donation. Yeah, and, and, and center, you still need centers, of course. And and the, as it stands now, your third-line center is going to be Barkley Goudreau, which is not ideal. I mean, we've had worse, but it's not ideal. Yeah, P.K. Subban in 2019 at the draft uh, was traded to the Devils in exchange for two second-round picks, Jeremy Davies and Steven Santini. Now, if we can somehow swing a trade where we give up second-round picks and a guy like Matthew Robertson, 
that would be that would be a really good move because you get Patrick Kane without giving up your prime assets. And for once, I want a Rangers general manager to actually use his leverage when a player only waves for one team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And uh, Steven, you know, Kane, he's an interesting one. Kadri's a really interesting one. Malkin, they're all enticing to their own varying degrees. Paul Stasi's another interesting one at 45 points last year, 36 years old, shorter term vet. Again, will not cost you an arm and a leg. Could be a potential feasible fit for the Rangers if they want a veteran center who knows how to win faceoffs, especially in the scenario where you acquire Kane. I think that could be even potentially more enticing. Either that or you have Stasny as a number three, having some veteran leadership there in that third line. And then you move up Heedle to the second because Heedle, in my opinion, did prove at minimum to get a further shot at that second line center with the assumption that the Rangers do not acquire a Malkin and or Kadri level player. If they do, then, you know, I think that's we have our answer there. Mm -hmm. But in your opinion, Stephen, when you look at the trade deadline, not pardon me, not trade deadline, free agent market opening up tomorrow or these next couple of days, do you believe the Rangers are going to shell out and do something drastic? Or do you think that this may be like what we've seen a lot in years past in the offseason, a slow burn rather, and maybe just maybe the Rangers don't do anything that really blows their socks off? Um, a year ago, we were sitting here and talking about how Chris Drury jumped the gun on the Butch Nevis trade. Yes. The moment the market opened, he made the trade. I think Drury has learned from that. I think he's going to take his time. Um Drury's first six months as a general manager were horrific. We have the Butchnevich trade. We have the Patrick Nemeth signing. We have this whole situation with Kravtsov that escalated. But the last six months he's been he's been stellar. You know, you 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 trade for guys like Vetrano, Cop, Mott, Braun. Um, now you have a very decent draft where you don't have a first round pick and you still walk away with kids like Shakora. And McConnell Barker. I like the last six months of Drury's tenure. I hope he can build on that. Um, I I hope he's learned from last year. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I think I think the Kane the Kane trade is probably more likely than a Malkin signing, simply because the Kane trade is for one year, so you're not blocking anything in the future in terms of cap hits. Whereas if you go for Malkin for four years, you lock him up for the years where you're going to have to negotiate for extensions with Keandre Miller, Alexis Lafreniere, Ryan Lindgren, Braden Schneider, um, uh, Philip Hedl. Um, and, and that's six mil AAV for those ensuing two, yeah. three years of a guy Igor, that maybe Igor, only plays half a season. Igor Shashorkin will need a new contract in, uh, when during that 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 hypothetical Malkin deal, it just doesn't work out for the Rangers. And the salary cap's not going to go up until 2026. So we're still four years away from the salary cap fully recovering from the pandemic. We're going to have like small increases, like 1 million, maybe 1.5 every year. But that big jump that you normally get with a new TV deal or an expansion it's it it has been delayed by the pandemic you're going to get that in 2026 so the patrick kane trade makes more sense than the Evgeny malkin signing i tend to agree with you 
Um, mainly with Kane, not just because of his durability, which I do think is a heavy factor. Kane in every single season, I mean, over the past, what? It's been since the 2015-2016 year, Kane has played at minimum. You know, he had a 70-game season in 2019-20, but he's really played the vast majority of his career, 70 to upwards of 82 games outside of the short season. Like, he has been really consistent. And for a guy that, again, is not big in stature, the biggest gripe with Kane, which will always crack me up, is, oh, this guy will not be able to handle the league given his size. And his hands, his quickness, his overall awareness with the puck has just made him, again, arguably the best player of all time. From Kane, Panarin, the Brinkett. What? Oh, oh, you're talking about size, yes. Yeah. 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 They all played for Chicago. They were all successful there. So, yeah. Uh, look, the the least appealing scenario, which I might think is very, very possible, very likely, is that Drury doesn't do anything. And that's that Drury, always a risk. It's always that Drury, a risk. That Drury does the same thing he did last year. He goes into the season with cap space, and then he's going to make a splash at the deadline where you trade for Kane and maybe Shifley at the deadline where you're in a playoff spot and then you add Shifley and you add Kane and you add maybe a veteran defenseman. If my father's listening to this um, right now, he is, he is all ears. This is ex exactly what he said to me prior to the recording. He's like going for a vet. I'm like, he, he said, he's like, Tyler, this is not something that the Rangers should realistically do in my opinion until the trade deadline, just like last year. Look at how this, how much success I had for the Rangers. Yeah. As long as they can stay afloat in that first half, they can take full advantage and ride momentum, but even to a higher degree, not with the Frankie Vitranos, the Andrew Cops, the Justin Brons of the world, or rather a, a Patty Kane, a another big rental. I mean, Mark Shifley, if he would be available, it, it, it really is an interesting thought. And I don't think it would be the worst case scenario. I just know for us fans, we would just be like, ah, oh, you know, an off season where, it was anticlimactic. So now you see what happens as you get into the year. Again, there's always risk, but that that there's there's risk as well with making moves early on that we saw Drury do. So there are two things I do I do want to address here in the show. Then we're going to wrap things up, Stephen. Unless you have any further comments on things, Michael uh, Grinaldi, thank you so much for the five dollar donation. Michael says. Mention this after the deadline, but after free agency, could we do a Drury review? I remember him saying this before. Let's go, Rangers. Let the chaos begin. Uh, we'll see if there's chaos or if, you know, we just get a little flame and nothing else. Um, no less. I do like this idea. Maybe we should do a Drury review. How about we do, if anything happens over the next couple weeks or if there doesn't, and we know for certain the Rangers are done, like with making moves this offseason, we should dedicate an episode to solely Chris Drury and his first like year as GM. I think that's a fun, interesting idea. And Michael, if we do it, then I will surely do my best to make sure I credit you. I'm actually going to take a photo here on YouTube of your name right now, just so I don't forget if we do end up doing this segment. So that way I can credit you. But thank you for if that we, donation. If we do that, we should make it like an entire Q&A session for like an hour. Yeah, that'd be fun. And like we're, we'll share our opinions, but we want to know how everyone else feels. Like what would you grade Drury between like A to F? Right on all of his moves combined thus far, on his overall valuation of players, things of that nature. That's a good idea. Young Jimmy, thank you so much for the five dollar donation. Jimmy says, Can we resign Mott for third line and step on fourth line for under three mil total? 
I would love Mott back. Uh, Steven would too. There's been a lot of uncertainty as to what his future will be. I do hope the Rangers prioritize him. However, it doesn't look like we're getting that now. And I do not expect Derek Stepan back with the Rangers. I think that that ship has sailed. Um, not yeah, the worst I, idea in the world, but especially if the Rangers are going to go out and get a fourth line center, I want a center that actually can be above 50% <laughs> with faceoffs, if, if I'm being honest, because Derek is surely not one of them. Yeah, I have zero interest in players returning to the Rangers because it just never works out. Yeah, you 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 emphasize that plenty in uh, in last uh, week's episode. And, and Derek Stepan, Derek Stepan was a healthy scratch for the Hurricanes in the playoffs. I, I think I think he's done. Yeah, I, I think he's done too. That's actually a good point. Um, but with that being said, though, guys, uh, Stephen, do you have any final remarks on today's episode before we wrap things up? Um. Not really. Go check out my prospect interviews. There's uh, there's a couple more coming up in the in the coming weeks. Uh, Brett Berard, Matt Rempe, Oliver Tarnstrom, Adam Edstrom, uh, all still coming up, and uh, I'll be trying to get a hold of the new Ranger prospects uh, a little bit closer to the start of the season. Awesome. Yeah, guys, please make sure again to check out Steven. And guys, from here, we'll see you back in a week or so, unless if there's something drastic that happens over the ensuing days, as long as I'm around and or Steven, we'll make sure to do a breaking news show the best that we can. But until then, I hope everyone enjoyed today's podcast. This was episode 61 of Rangers Review. We'll be back in a couple days, guys. I hope you all have a phenomenal uh, rest of your summer until we discuss again. And, of course, stay tuned and keep your eyes peeled. Again, 1 p.m. Eastern, I believe, tomorrow, July 13th, the market opens. Let's see what the Rangers do or what they don't do. Steven, let's go Rangers, baby. Let's go Rangers.